0: If you want Joe Reed to be in charge, just say you want Joe Reed to be in charge, okay? Stop trying to sell this fairy tale. I I still respect Joe Reed as a a person. Uh, I don't agree at all with what's taking place here. Uh, And I don't understand the willingness and motivation behind these other people that are following along with this to present this ludicrous idea. Welcome in Alabama Politics this week. Uh, it's it's going to be a weird start uh, it's, uh, for us. It's, um, uh, it, oh, by the way, I'm Josh Moon, and uh, that is David Person. All right. We're, we're going to start a little different because we are packed. Uh, yeah. we're packed this week we've got uh we normally have one guest we've got three this week uh because, and all three are very very important uh, yeah. uh we're we're going to have on uh the chairman of the Alabama Democratic Party Randy Kelly uh we're going to have on the vice chair of the Alabama Democratic Party Tabitha Heisner uh it's just, we well, should have them on together, really, in yeah, well, <laughs> and, and a ring. Uh, well. but, uh, yeah, so, but, you know, we're going to have them on. But uh, first, because we're going in order of importance, uh, we're going to have on uh, uh, Representative Ontario Tillman, right? Yes, absolutely. Ontario Tillman. Because, you yeah. know, somebody that... Am I mistaken? Because I paused on that for just a second because I saw your name come up. Because we do this by Zoom, and I saw your name come up, and it said on Terry, and I could have swore somebody told me that they call you. Is it Terry that they call you? Yes,
1: my mom actually called me that. My mom, right. my family yeah. member, they call me Terry, but yeah. people around the state house, they're saying OT.
0: OT, okay, <laughs> yes, OT, yes, OT, and yes, uh, yeah, yes. all right, all right, yeah, so, so OT and Terry and uh, Tillman, and I had not seen Ontario, and I was whoa, Ontario, yes, yes. yeah, that <laughs> kind of goes back to one of my favorite, uh, the, what it sparked a memory, of one of my favorite guys that I ever covered at uh, Auburn when I was covering sports yes. was uh, Ontario McCaleb, uh, yes. and uh, I, I loved uh, the double B uh, McCaleb, and, uh, and yes, so but anyway, I'm sorry, thank you for coming on with us and Absolutely. opening the show. Absolutely. You guys do a great job, and I definitely wanted to be a part of your podcast. Thank yeah, you. sure. And, yeah. and the reason why it was important uh, to mm-hmm. get you on is because while we're going to deal with crazy in a little yeah. while, all right? and, and there's, yeah. there's there's plenty of that to go around, but yeah. uh, we felt like it was important to remind people that mm-hmm. there are serious lawmakers that take yeah. the time and effort uh, and are devoted to the job that go in every day that do the work of the people who they're representing and try their best to do a good job for the betterment of the state. And, and I talked to, to Anthony Daniels and some other folks about who would best represent that. Your name was at the top of the list. And, yes. and so I, 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 we just felt like that was important because that's true, right? There, there are, yes. there are many of y'all that are, that are trying yes. to do the work. Absolutely. And, uh, and I agree with you you have a a number of good
1: people here who are really trying to work on the betterment of the state of Alabama. We had a huge freshman class this year, even on the Republican and Democratic side. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are serious. You know, they're serious about helping the people, working for the people. And uh, in my caucus, uh, the Democratic caucus, uh, that has been the goal from day one is to what can we do to better the entire state of Alabama? To me, I look at it as a privilege. And an honor to be elected for House Seat 56. And to be here and to represent the people, my constituents, and also to represent the entire state of Alabama is an is awesome feat, awesome undertaking that I really don't take lightly. You know, I'm serious about it. I want to come in, read the information, read the laws, read the bills, debate the bills, and also sit in committee meetings and try to come up with better legislation for all people.
0: Yeah, well, well, and and uh, you know we appreciate it. Uh, you know there there are enough people out there doing doing nonsense things and and self promotion, and um, you know you mentioned you know trying to make things better uh, mm-hmm. in the in the state. And to me personally, and and I think David would probably agree, and and, and a lot of people would agree. There are there there are two. I think. Uh, two things that that stick out to me one is stopping some of the craziness that's coming from the other side of the aisle um uh, particularly some of the uh, the more racist things that come from the other mm-hmm. side of the aisle and then the other thing is is somehow or another convincing and leading on gun legislation uh yes. That to, that would that would help restore some sanity to the process of gun ownership and gun possession. Um, I, I I guess it could start with the, some of the bills that have come from the other side, and I know uh, the, the the big one that has drawn a lot of attention is this gang uh, yes. street gang bill that came out of yes. the AG's office. Uh, talk about that bill and and how y'all are trying to handle that.
1: Well, you know that bill actually is on my committee, and I'm serving on the judicial, uh, Judiciary Committee. Uh, we call it Judy uh, for short, but I am on that committee. That bill actually came before us. And the bill is, uh, in my opinion, is an awful piece of legislation. Uh, legislation that is directly impacting and targeting uh, black people in the state of Alabama and uh, brown people in the state of Alabama as well. Uh, when you're talking about characteristics, when they listing characteristics and if a group of people had on the same color, if they have tattoos, if they had uh, any type of information, even uh, in the bill, they have, they have language like unreliable, unreliable tested informant. So if you have an informant who hasn't been tested, why are we even putting that type of language in the bill? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, it's different things of that nature, because I look at it from a practical standpoint, because as an attorney, I'm a criminal defense attorney. So Mm -hmm. I'm in court, I'm dealing with these different laws, I'm dealing with these different issues. So I'm listening to the language and I'm saying that, have you ever dealt with a confidential informant? Have you ever cross-examined a confidential informant? Do you understand the difficulty in doing this and saying this and how reliable this person has to be in order to implicate someone where their freedom is uh, at jeopardy and subject to that? You have to understand what you're doing now. The the good thing about that particular bill, it had been submitted to one of our criminal subcommittees. So, at that particular point, part, you know, point we will have opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, provide amendments to provide revisions, and I'm looking forward to actually doing that.
0: Yeah, it, it, uh, and I guess this kind of ties into the gun uh, legislation yes. as well, because you know. What it it says to me is, uh, what that bill says, is is that the attorney general of the state and certain lawmakers who are doing his bidding um, want to paint our gun issue as a minority issue. Yes, uh, they they want to to put this all. Well, the real problem that you have here is all of these black mm-hmm. street gangs, you know, and but nobody will say that. They're not going to come right out and say that because you know they're they're afraid to do that at this point. But uh, that's they're, they're willing to walk it right up to the line, uh, mm-hmm. and and it just seems like that is a major stumbling block towards passing real and meaningful gun legislation as well, because we paint it as a problem that's, oh, it's over here in the, in the criminal culture. It's in the criminal culture. Well, that's not true. That's not true at all. If you look at, at at what uh, the number of shootings and especially accidental shootings that occur and suicides, uh, that that's not true at all. And so, uh, how do you how do you get past that uh, with the with your folks on the other side of the aisle and and across and over the, the top of the NRA money as well uh, and NRA threats uh, to to pass meaningful legislation?
1: Yes, I think that you we really have to come to grips with this gun issue as a whole. We need to look at it from a number of different angles. This is not just a a public safety issue; it's a public health issue as well. When you're looking at mental health, when you're looking at those type of components that go into uh, gun legislation and gun laws, we cannot continue to allow special interests, like the NRA, to dictate how we govern. And that's the problem because we have a ton of responsible, reasonable gun owners who would like different legislation, like the red flag laws, Mm -hmm. different things of that nature, more background checks to prevent people from receiving guns and and obtaining guns that should not actually have the guns. And we also have to look at how are the people receiving the guns in the streets? How are they? You know, Mm -hmm. everything is done through back channels, through illegal means to actually get these particular guns. We need to continue to provide uh, different resources for our law enforcement. We just passed recently the uh, Constitutionalist Carry uh, uh, Bill which mm-hmm. is a permanent carry. How is that making our police officers safe? How is that keeping them from harms? And we, we, we constantly listen to our colleagues across the aisle saying that they back the blue, they back the blue. But on that particular issue, you did not. So mm-hmm. why you didn't back the blue on that particular issue? So our people need to start looking at who is truly representing your interests down here because Democrat fought against that bill. Democrats fought against that issue. When you had law enforcement across the state of Alabama opposed to it, but again, mm-hmm. it was passed. So we need to start you know, re- re-examining who is really down here for your interest. Democrats have always been on the side of unions, on the side of teachers, on the side of working class, on the side of firemen, on the side of police officers. That needs to come to the forefront and people need to start talking about that more.
2: You know, you uh, you raise, uh, Representative Tillman, you raise a really, I think, pertinent question when you ask, how are the guns getting on the street? Um, And I know and this may not be exactly analogous, but I know when it comes to drugs, Mm -hmm. when we in the black community ask that question, Mm -hmm. we all know what the answer is. We know that brothers ain't flying planes from, you know, (laughs) Panama or Colombia. You know Absolutely. across the border we know or that, ships
1: or right? anything of that nature
2: <laughs> exactly, so I wonder I'm saying it may not be analogous, but maybe it is do you do you have any insight into how the guns are getting on the streets
1: I think it's I think it's the uh it's a, that's a that's a really puzzle because uh, like you said, we're not manufacturing these guns. Uh, you have examples after examples to where people would say Uh, For example, you know, for some reason, we love to talk about uh, Chicago when it comes to violence. But you have people who live in in Chicago who would say on their walk home, they will walk through a different part of the town, different alley or something like that, and nothing would be there. And then an hour later or the next day, mysteriously, there's a box of guns there. Hmm. How did the guns get there? Who are putting the guns there? We don't want to address the real life situation where people actually are experiencing. We want to dismiss that because we have a greater propaganda machine to say, you know, these are the ones who are over here committing and causing all of these violence, instead of saying, okay, what are the root causes of the violence? Mm-hmm. How are they receiving the guns? How can we cut off the supplier? It's basic economics, it's supply and demand. How can we cut off the supply? How can we do that to prevent the demand? So we're going to continue to say, okay, we want to address the gun laws. Let's address the entire system, not just part of the system. We are again, your solution seeking a problem instead of saying, okay, let's address the root causes and eliminate this and put common sense gun legislation in place where majority of people, Republicans or Democrats will agree on.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's well said. Um, I noticed as I as I read up on you that uh, you've got a background in public education. Yes. Um, how has that informed your 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 work as a criminal defense attorney?
1: It 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 was uh, helpful completely helpful i think that me starting off as a teacher allowing me to understand subject matter allowing me to be able to break down information and be able to uh, inform my students and disseminate it to my uh, students help me in the uh, courtroom actually allowing me to break down complex information and make it plain so people can really understand it a lot of times we we hear people that just say we're just talking at you instead of talking to you And that's what we need to start doing more of. We need to start having more town hall. We need to start listening to the more of the concerns of our people and actually have a true conversation about how things go. I want my people, especially in district district 56 to understand the full entire process. How do we understand politics? This is how this legislation will, will impact you each and every day. That's my job. My job is to bring back the information bring back the things that are going to help and the things that are going to hurt and say, how can we make these different things change? And being in the classroom kind of taught me all of that, you know, having that understanding, having that, that background really has helped me in that arena.
2: Did it, did it give you any insight into some of the, uh, and I'm making an assumption here, correct me if I'm wrong, but did it give you any insight into some of the young people or young yeah. adults that you may be defending from time to yes, time.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And also I was a, a head boys basketball coach. Hmm. So I had intimate information and knowledge about young people, understanding their plights, understanding the different things that they are experiencing on a uh, day-to-day basis. You know, uh, I had the, uh, the great opportunity to be the head basketball coach at Bessemer city high school. I am from Bessemer. you know, I grew up there. You know, I went to Jess High School before they, you know, they made a name change. So to have the, the, the privilege to come back and coach my hometown school where I actually played, where I actually grew up. And I used to tell my players all the time, I have literally stood in the same shoes that you are standing in. I walked these same streets. I experienced the same thing. And I came from the same uh, project area. And I want you guys to know and understand that whatever you want to do, you can actually do it. It comes down to hard work. It comes down to earning the different things that you want to do in life. And I'm here to help you in every step of the way. And I took that personally because to this day, I still talk to my players. I still communicate with them. I still help them because I understand as young men, they still need guidance all the time each and every day. And I don't want to ever forget that. And uh, it's, it's, it's a badge of honor uh, for me because I'm not doing this for any other reason. I'm doing this purely to help the people that I serve and to help the people in the state of Alabama. So dealing with young people, understanding young people issues, understanding what they're facing, being in the classroom, being in the school system allowed me to do that. And it translated once I went to court. So now I can tell the judge and communicate to the judge, communicate to the prosecutor, this is what really happened. This is why he's in this situation now. So let's look at alternatives instead of incarceration. For some reason, we think that we can incarcerate ourselves out of crime. Mm. It doesn't work like that. Mm
3: -hmm. The person
1: who's committing crime, he's not thinking about the punishment. He's thinking about other reasons that you don't know anything about and the reason why he's trying to get away with this particular crime. If he's, uh, burglarizing someone home if he's trying to rob someone what are the reasons why he's doing it we never asked the why we Man. look at the action and we look at the result of doing it in which we understand that and anyone who has committed a crime we have a system in place that if you committed a crime you will be convicted based upon the jury of your peers so let the process work itself out instead of demonizing the people just because they committed
2: this crime Hey Josh, I got a, I got one final question sure. for the representative. But I want to say before before asking that question, man, what you just said, Representative Tillman, makes me think you're the kind of cat that we need uh, running for attorney general in this state. Man, so I hope that I hope that's on your in your in your long term plan. I hope that's somewhere in there, brother.
1: Hey, hey yeah. I appreciate that. I, I never yeah. it never crossed my mind, but I do appreciate that.
2: Well, let's speak it into existence, man. Absolutely. Because what I just heard makes me—I mean, you'd be way better than the the guy we have now and and his <laughs> immediate predecessors. Uh, final final thought uh, or final question for you? Um, I, I I have to ask you, especially well, now that I've I've uh, joined Josh in interviewing you today, and I, I see the kind of. Uh, I see the caliber of person you are, and, and what you
4: represent. Um, I have to ask you: mm-hmm. what is your what's your honest, deep down feeling mm-hmm. about what's going on with the Alabama Democratic Party right now?
1: I think that uh, there are a, a number of issues that we do need to address. Uh, in Within the Democratic Party, I think that um, uh, things need to change as far as growth, as far as being more modern, and applying to more of the today's times and needs. And I think that we have uh, a number of people who have fought the good fight through many years. So it's now it's time for us, as people who are in the party now, to lean on that institutional knowledge, to to learn from them, and to create a different party moving forward that applies to today's in time. I think that that conversation is not being had. I think we do need to have that conversation. And I think if we do have that conversation, we can make uh, our uh, Alabama Democratic Party a better party that that suits our needs, the needs of the direct people that we deal with each and every day. And, And for some reason, we don't want to address those particular issues.
0: Yeah, well, I tell you, it, it seems as though being a, a school teacher and learning how to deal with children also prepared you for politics. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it, it, but let me ask you to, and this is the last thing we'll, we'll get you out and back on the floor. Uh, cause I know you took some time out, out from the oh, chamber to come in with us. And, uh, mm-hmm. but what, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, when they, when they're first elected, they go in with one idea of what this thing is going to be, uh, be like yes. uh, this. And, and, and when you're there a couple of days, uh, you realize that it's, it's not like that at all. <laughs> no. like that. Uh, So what, what, what has been, what, what's the experience kind of been like? What's been the biggest surprises for you uh, so far in, in this freshman campaign? Uh, to me,
1: you know, this goes back to my, uh, my background as a uh, coach, as a, you know, player. I always want to look at the process from that point. You know, I want to come in as a rookie, as a freshman, to learn what I need to do. And when you get here, it's a lot. It's a lot going on, it's it's, it's a ton of information, and it's the process. I think that we don't really understand the process once we get here. And then once you're immersed in it, you start understanding the process of how to get things done. You know, we're looking at it from the position that we're in. You know, we have to look at the circumstances and situations, and we have to be able to create the type of legislation that can help the people that we serve, the people that actually sent us here to represent them. And once you come in with that mindset to say, okay, I want to learn. You know, I have great mentors down here right now within my caucus that are teaching me, that are giving me a different insight. And also I'm listening and I'm learning I'm paying attention. You know, it's a type that, you know, sometimes you got to sit and and be quiet and and learn the process until it's your time to start speaking on these issues. You know, fortunately enough, you know, I had a lot of different issues by, by being a freshman on the uh, Judiciary Committee, having the wherewithal to start talking about these different issues, because this is my background. So, you know, this is what I've been doing for the last 10 years. And this is the reason, what is is what I campaign on. Like, I campaign on understanding this institutional knowledge, the practical knowledge that, you know, quite frankly, a lot of my colleagues down here may not have when it comes to actually being in a courtroom, standing there as a defense attorney, not necessarily as a prosecutor to where my goal is to get a conviction, punishment, send you to prison and continue to overcrowd our prisons instead of saying, okay, let's find uh, different alternative ways. You know, you may be a first time person that committed this issue. So let's, let's give you this diversion program. Let's give you this community service. Let's train you on this and train you on that. So, you know, having that and having the courage to actually do that is, is huge but yeah. it's like they say drinking from a fire hose you know trying to <laughs> pick up everything that you can you're trying to read absolutely everything i'm trying to pick up actually everything and it, it it can become daunting so but it's a task that i'm up for and i i like it i really actually like it you know it's been it's been an eye-opening experience for me but it's an experience that i love because it's hard work and i've yeah. never been afraid of hard work i've never been afraid of earning the respect and earning the information because when i when you come and talk to me it's because I put in the work right. and yeah. that's what anybody can respect.
0: Well, yeah, well, and we certainly do respect it. Uh, uh, you know, I love to hear somebody say that, you know, they've been reading everything that they can because I'm pretty sure some guys yeah. on the other side of the aisle have been there 20 years and still haven't read anything, uh, but, um, you know, you know, past the, the little kids' books. Uh, but, yeah. it, listen, it's uh, it, it's good to have you there. It really is. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I hope that you uh, continue on uh, and mm-hmm. do good things and 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 keep that mindset and, uh, and, and don't let them get you down, man. Don't let them get oh, you down. Gonna try. Yeah, they gonna try.
1: It's a flow. It's a flow. It's the up and down. But you know, my my motto is never get too high, never get too low. You know, look at everything the same way. If it's a win, it's a win. If it's a loss, it's a loss. We just need to understand what I need to do better to improve from this. Because even from success, you can improve. You know, I may have won the game, but I didn't win the game the way I should have won the game. So I want to continue to improve on that. And you know, anytime you guys want me to come on. Welcome to come on, because I believe that you guys do a great job, and I actually enjoyed
0: it. All right. Well, awesome. thank you. Thank you. That is uh, Representative OT. Uh, some people yes. call him Ontario. Some people call him Terry. His mom Ma- calls him Terry, so I'm going to call him Terry. Uh, and so, but uh, listen, thank you for, for what you're doing, and, uh, and keep up the good work, and we'll, we'll have Absolutely. you back on soon. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yes, sir. All right, Thank you. take care. Yeah, it was a uh, representative of Ontario, uh, uh, Tillman. I almost yeah. said <laughs> So, but uh, uh, so hey, man, how you doing, David?
2: Man, what a week it's been! <laughs> what a week it's been. Uh, that, that interview was a great way to start the show because I gotta tell you, this, uh, we're gonna uh, enter into some choppy waters. I yeah, think. I
0: think it's gonna get a little hectic, as they yeah. say. Uh, yeah, man, um. It's uh this has been the Saturday was I watched I watched that. I was not there. I was doing as a matter of fact I didn't I didn't watch it until late. Uh I found a video online. I'm talking about the Alabama Democratic Party uh executive committee meeting right. uh, that took place in Montgomery and um I uh you know I gotten some word that some some chaos had had ensued and I went and watched and holy hell man, I mean what are y'all doing? Uh Ah, uh, there is there is no way that they can let this stand. Okay, there there's
2: just they being the Democratic, the, the Democratic National, National,
0: Committee. National Committee. Yeah. Okay. That um, there's I don't, I don't think that there's any way that they can let this stand. Um. I, I mean, and if you're unfamiliar, just to, to recap quickly, they mm-hmm. uh, voted through very suspiciously. <laughs> uh, uh, many people think without a quorum, um, and then also with a vote total that looked Really, really suspicious, Uh, like like they did not win uh, this. They voted in new bylaws uh, that eliminated the youth, LGBTQ uh, and disabled caucuses and then also uh, greatly reduced the power of the Native American caucus, the Asian uh, Pacific Islanders caucus and one other caucus in there as well. I'm I'm drawing a blank on which one that is. But Uh, was it uh, the
2: uh, disability
0: no, they, I think they eliminated the disability Cau- caucus, okay. the disabled caucus. Uh, but uh, you know, so but regardless, they did this, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I got you know before Randy Kelly comes on here, I've got to tell you the 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 excuse for doing this seems to me, and 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 you can correct me if if, if you think otherwise here. Okay, it seems really really dumb. Okay, I mean it seems. It, it seems untethered to reality, uh, which is those bylaws that were passed in 2019 by the Doug Jones backed folks were a violation of a consent decree with the uh, with the court with a federal court uh, because they reduced the influence of black voters within the party and essentially what that thing says uh, that the decree says is that there has to be. Uh, Black voters within the executive committee must be representative uh, of the black vote in the most recent election in in terms of Democrat within the Democratic Party. So folks that are registered Democrats voting in the election, that has to be somewhat equal to that in the executive committee as well. So, uh, but it is. and and matter of fact, it's, it's a little more than what it was under those bylaws. It's just that a number of those voters are not in the ADC, the Alabama Democratic Conference. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're in the Youth Caucus, they're in the LGBTQ uh, TQ Caucus, they're in uh, the Disabled Caucus, uh, and, and, and those voters, especially in the Youth Caucus, they made up a huge number of of black voters. Uh, I want to say that somebody told me that there was like 65% of the Youth mm-hmm. Caucus were, were black voters. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, there's nothing that says that, that, that have, they have to be part of the ADC, and so you're just making this up.
2: Well, yeah, and I think that's that's the, you're raising, I think, uh, the essential, probably the essential question, which is if you know, if uh, if black voters uh, are represented are represented, you know, um, in these other groups, then. You know, how can you make the case mm-hmm. that the the influence of black voters was being diluted, especially if they're represented, you know, in numbers that numerically would 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 complete whatever the the threshold is or meet whatever the threshold is. Right. But but the other question I have is if it's a violation of the consent decree, then why wasn't that pursued legally? It was. And, and and it was ruled against. Yes, yes, they tossed it. So So then what you're saying is that, so what they're saying is that even though it was ruled against, they don't agree with the ruling. So if you don't agree with the ruling, then did they not appeal? I don't remember. Did they not appeal yeah. the ruling? I mean,
0: just I, I don't know if they appealed it or not. Um, well, well, but that's that's what you do, right? Yeah, I mean, right, yeah.
2: So you 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 know a court rules against you, you appeal the ruling. Now, they may say, well, with the with the judicial structure, the composition of the of of judges and whatnot in this state, you know, it wasn't going to go in our favor because they're predominantly Republican or whatever. But you know that's the system we have. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you, I don't know how you, you say, you know, we're gonna, we're just gonna circumvent the system, you know, in in such a in such a brazen way, and then on top of that, you're in violation of the DNC, uh, the DNC position on this thing by taking the action that was taken. So I just like you. I don't. I don't know how. I just don't know how they come out of this w- without there being some serious, um, something serious that happens yeah, to I, the I, Alabama Democratic Party.
0: I, I just. I, I, I. can't see where the the Democratic National Committee, who who implemented those bylaws. Okay, and I understand it was under Tom Perez, and now uh, Jamie. Uh, what's his name? Harrison, yes, Harrison, uh, from from South Carolina, is now in charge. Uh, but these were the—I mean, this went through a whole committee; it wasn't just one person. You know, they they keep saying, it was Tom Perez, that, you know, did this, or Tom Perez and Doug Jones together did this." And no, this was like there, there was these whole meetings. Y'all don't remember these things that were that were broadcast, uh, and uh, you know, everywhere, and they were in this great big room full of people in in DC, and uh, they had these hearings over this stuff, and it's just it. You know, it's like none of this is is tethered to reality. You know, it's look if you want Joe Reed to be in charge, just say you want Joe Reed to be in charge. Okay. Stop trying to sell this fairy tale. All right. And I understand why Joe Reed wants to be in charge. That's what he does. Okay. I understand it. I know how the guy fights, I've seen him do it. I I still respect Joe Reed as a a person. Uh, I don't agree at all with what's taking place here. Uh and I don't understand the willingness and motivation behind these other people that are following along with this to to present this ludicrous idea of what's taking place here. So, okay.
2: So let me ask you this before we and I know we need to uh we need to pick up our next guest, but 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 let me just ask you this before we go to our next guest. Um you watched the proceedings. I did not. I got. I got reports. I got. Mm-hmm. I got summaries and reports from from various people.
4: Um, is it true that Randy Kelly literally turned the meeting over to Joe Reed?
0: Uh, because I that's what that's what was said to me. Say it quite like that. I would say that there was some back and forth. There And I mean, we know how Randy Kelly is. At, at times he'll just kind of shut down. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and not speak. And so that there, there were other people who had spoken as well. And then Reed got the microphone and held it for a while. If that makes sense, you know what I'm saying. So I don't think there was like I'm going to turn it over. At least not that I saw. And now there there were portions of this that I did not see. I was I was busy doing other things, and I I came in and watched some, and then and then watched some more. And uh, so, but uh, so not not that I saw. I mean we could I'm um, we'll tab the Eisner on later, and and she can you know she might tell us differently, or Randy Kelly might tell us you know yeah I just turned it over to him. Uh, but. Um, you know he is the the minority chair uh of the party, right and so um i i man it, it was just it was so crazy um and and to answer your question earlier uh yes, they took that case to federal court, challenged it based upon the consent decree that was there in place they lost they have appealed it the case is currently under review by the eleventh circuit um but they did not, according to one of the attorneys involved in this, they did not appeal on whether the bylaws violated the consent decree, but just on whether they violated the Voting Rights Act. So hmm. they're not basing it on that. Um, I, I, man, it, so even, even in the court case, they didn't, they're not, they're not challenging it on that.
2: Well, again, that raises some questions, and that's what we need to ask. Uh, yeah. We need to ask uh, Doctor Kelly about that. Why? Why not?
0: I tell you what. Let's uh, let's slide out of here, and uh, we'll come back in just a minute, and we'll get uh, we'll get Randy Kelly in here, and we'll ask him. You know, a lot of questions about what's going on, and um, maybe we can get to some better line of thinking and, and and better understanding of of why we are where we are here, but. I, I don't
2: know. Well, it's it's. I'll say this as we as we go to break. It's confusing for a lot of people, and not yeah. just white people. I know that you know there are a lot of white people that you know are are expressing you know uh, you know their their discontent over the situation. But yeah. but there are black people who are too. I've heard yeah. from some. Oh so, yeah,
0: yes. Uh, I, I I I mean. It's just... Uh, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into yeah. the whole thing. So, yeah. All right. Uh, we'll all be right. back in a minute. Alabama Politics this week. Hey, uh, if y'all would do us a favor and uh, go... To, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review our little podcast here. Uh, that would be very, very helpful for us. Uh, you know, people might pay us to do this you Uh, never know
2: yeah but yeah but let's not stop at Apple also uh, you can do the same thing on Google Play Amazon and some of the more Android friendly uh, you know platforms as well
0: I forget that Dave is an Android guy I am (laughs) me I'm a conformist so you know go to Apple but seriously wherever you go just do just just go and and rate and review and and that would be very nice unless you're gonna leave a bad don't do don't do that Don't don't, don't Thank you.
2: Welcome back to Alabama Politics This Week. I'm David Person, and uh, you know Josh Moon is here, of course. And uh, we are now going to have joining us the, the chair of the Alabama Democratic Party, Reverend Dr. Randy Kelly. Doc, good to see you once again.
4: Yes, good to see you all.
2: Yes, sir. So uh, you caused uh, quite a lot of uh, discussion over the past week, sir, with uh, what happened last Saturday uh, at the uh, Alabama Democratic uh, Party Executive Committee. Uh, First of all, let's hear your viewpoint of, of what happened and what your assessment is of what happened.
4: Well, first of all,
5: we changed bylaws, which is the standard operational procedure
4: of a new administration. And we've done that uh, ever since I can remember. Yes, sir. Okay, so... The previous uh, administration had
5: uh, changed the bylaws in order to uh, minimize the role and the power of the Black Caucus, which was the prevailing uh, minority. And uh, this process now was led by our affirmative action committee, which was led by a white attorney named Ben Harris. Ben is the uh, vice chair of county affairs. And Ben, uh, his perspective, he
4: made a statement that these bylaws would be fairer than the bylaws that we had. Okay. So I know that you are well aware of the fact that uh,
2: that there has been, um, uh, let's just say, a robust level of reaction to uh, to this change and to how it affected uh, the various um, uh, caucuses uh, that were. that are part of the uh, democratic uh, the alabama democratic party uh, specifically the uh, the uh, the diversity caucuses the lgbtq uh, the native american hispanic um i think asian also has been mentioned uh what's your reaction to uh the the, the criticisms that say that uh, those caucuses were uh, either severely diminished or even dissolved as a result of what you did.
5: None of those caucuses was managed. none of them was resolved. In fact, no one has come forward and say how their caucus caucuses was actually hurt or harmed in the process. In fact, the caucuses was just changed in into committees about the affirmative action committee, by the affirmative action committee that put this together. And the rationale I have heard is that, well, we had caucuses
4: with um, two people in one of those specific caucuses. And uh, uh, you you, uh, uh, had uh, a situation where as
5: you had caucuses put in place just to diminish the black vote. And so as I just shared, uh, this was uh, one of the things that Ben Harris pointed out in his narrative. And I think the narrative is on our website.
2: Okay, I'm going to ask you one more question before Josh. And,
5: and, let, me, and let me share this. Yes, it was, when I got elected, it was a peculiar election. I never saw one like that. Because you had a group that had uh, conducted a hostile takeover of the Democratic Party under Jones and his administration. And in the middle of the election, where they saw they was losing by a certain amount of votes,
4: they added 43 people at large, and took it by taking an intermission, and added
5: 43 people and created that specific caucus in order to win the election.
4: So the caucus was crookedly set up in the first place. Which caucus was that? This was uh, uh, the uh, folks that they
5: added at large in the uh, in the uh, election uh, in uh, Birmingham where the election was held. They added a bunch of folks, 43 people that wasn't even on the uh, 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 wasn't even at large in the party at all. They added those folks. So
2: you're, you're going back to what happened uh, in this. You, you, you're talking about a few years ago.
5: What you're no, we're talking. talking about the early well, well, when he was like it. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. In August. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
2: let me let me ask you one other question before Josh jumps in. Um the one of the arguments against what happened Saturday was that the youth caucus was was uh, severely affected. And um and that and and our understanding is that the youth caucus was predominantly a caucus of african-american people what, what's your response to that
4: it was not a youth caucus predominantly of african-american people okay so what what was the composition do you know what the percentage composition I don't was know exactly what the
5: racial demographic was but the committee weighed all of that when they made uh, made the bylaws. And those bylaws was posted on the website and gave people a chance to comment and give input to those bylaws. And very few comments and input was put in those bylaws. And basically, when it came down to voting, uh, the opposing side laws and the people that was in favor of it won. And I couldn't guarantee that everybody would have their way, I just guaranteed that they had to say. And of course, the opposing side is the only side that I see that's disgruntled.
0: Well, I mean, it's typically how it works. <laughs> you know, it's a, the, the folks that lose are, are the, the ones who win are very rarely disgruntled. Yeah,
5: uh, it is. Uh,
4: uh, to me, it's something seriously wrong with the losing side calling the shots. Well,
0: oh, uh, okay, uh, so. I would. I think some people would argue um, that there was not a fair shot for them to vote, and they would point to uh, the $50—I believe uh, your vice chair called it a poll tax—the $50 uh, charge uh, that they—some said they were unaware of, and then at the meeting also said they were not allowed to pay in order to vote— what, what was that $50 charge and where did it come from and, and why, were people, uh, why were y'all attempting to charge people that?
5: When they were added to the um, caucus at, at large members, they was told by the previous chair in the previous administration, they had a certain amount of time to pay the qualifying fee. In fact, I paid qualifying fee, but they didn't pay the qualifying fee and technically they wouldn't own the committee period because they didn't pay the qualifying fee within the one, one of the time. Okay. And then okay. we had to investigate it and find out that they hadn't paid it. We didn't know. And, and in fact, the uh, committee was so messed up until I was on your show and people would call in and tell me they were members of the committee. I didn't even know <laughs> who the members were. And I right. think that happened a couple of times when people tell me, well, I'm a member of the committee. Well, some of those folks were technically might have, been, I know they probably thought they was on the committee, but they were not
4: And the previous chair sent a letter out informing them they had to pay the qualifying
0: fee. Um, one of the things that we, uh, that we continue to hear, and I, I believe you said it, if, if you haven't, you can correct me, uh, but I know Dr. Reed has said it. Is that the bylaws that were put in place by uh, Doug Jones and and uh, some others uh, that in 2019 um, undermined or reduced the power of the black vote within the caucus, or within, within I mean within the uh, ADP? Um, the numbers, if we go by strictly math, those numbers don't indicate that that there, there were as many black voters after those bylaws changes, actually more uh, than there were before, but it did reduce the power of the ADC. So are, are, is that the distinction there, or how, how do you all see that? Why, why, why do you make that argument? No,
5: the numbers that we operate with is the numbers based on the Democratic electorate. And that is the percentage of right. people voted for President Biden mm-hmm. uh, in the last election. And they had reduced our numbers to 51%. And when we hired a professional, our numbers uh, was 61 to 71%. And we've been operating on the lower number that the uh, person that deals with those uh, demographics. So 61%. But our numbers were drastically reduced in order for them to uh, control the party. And they did everything they could to keep uh, somebody else from getting back into power, particularly the black caucus. That's what, what the riff was.
0: Well, uh, it, uh, now this was, according to them, the, the Democratic National Committee took a look at, at the actual numbers. And they say that the, that the number of black voters actually increased. Uh, Within within ADP within the executive committee, uh, because of the number of black voters that came in with uh, those other caucuses, specifically the youth caucus and the LGBTQ caucus, Uh, and they said that those numbers rose, but it did reduce the power of the ADC vote. Uh, So is is that not true? I'm not. I don't think that's true at all,
4: and uh, it's not the ADC.
5: You have uh, uh, ADC members that are part of the uh, uh, SDC, but sure. you got people who are elected that are black in the SDC that's not members of the
4: ADC. Many of them, most of them. Okay. Okay. I, I, let me ask you: Do you think? Do you think that what happened Saturday? was good for the party? Yeah, I think it's, um,
5: uh, some people was upset. It was a change. And of course, some people get over it and some may not get over the change, but actually the, the, the process was fair. Uh, no one could, can say what they were shortchanged, and it would just change from caucuses to committees. And in fact, I, the uh, rationale for the um, Affirmative Action Committee was having a threshold of 17% to be a caucus. And what that does, it forces the organization to grow. How can you be a caucus? Well, and also it minimizes people from voting for multiple times. Now, for example, if you Black, handicapped, and uh, uh, LGBT, you could vote three times. And then the there's no uniformity as far as the bylaws are concerned, uh, anywhere in the nation. In fact, you got New Jersey only have nine pages for the bylaws, and most of the states don't have anything in the bylaws about caucuses.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was more a a determination of representation. And and they felt like uh, ADP was was not very representative of other minority groups, uh, specifically LGBTQ youth, caucus, Asians, um, you know, and and Native Americans. And uh, it, it seems like that's that's taken a step backwards. I mean, I mean, it doesn't seem like it has taken a step backwards uh, with with this decision on Saturday. And uh, I, that should that be the message that the party's sending out? What well, the people voted.
5: I had to have any control over how they voted. I was just the chairman. Well,
0: I mean, just, You were behind the box. They,
5: they voted it up or they voted it down. And I i don't think it's going to be catastrophic to the party at all. I think it's uh, particularly with that rationale about having a threshold for caucuses. is going to force the party to grow. And so, you've got two people, you mentioned Native American caucuses, You do not have but two people in the Native American caucus. Then you had a Hispanic caucus uh, where where it was a white gentleman. He actually birth certificate said he was white, but he was over the Hispanic caucus. So you had Mm -hmm. all of that mess going on in the party. The whole thing was dysfunctional. And in fact, Mm -hmm. it's the standard operational procedure for every administration that write the bylaws, the opposing group, the role group that took over the party, they wrote their bylaws and we had the same right to re- write our bylaws. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Kelly, before and we have very to. the very diverse Doc... committee that yeah. put these bylaws together.
2: Right. So, Dr. Kelly, before we have to get out of here, uh, just uh, I have a point of clarification that I want to, you to respond to. And then I have a, a final question. Uh, the point of clarification is uh, white you know, white and black are racial Those are racial categories. Uh, but uh, Hispanic or, or someone saying that they're Hispanic—that's more about ethnicity or even, in some cases, nationality. So a person can be white and still be Hispanic. Do you Do you understand what I'm saying?
5: Yeah, they can be black and be Hispanic.
2: Exactly. Exactly. You know,
5: Hispanics have their origin in Spain. And they were mixed with Af- Africans due to the fact that Hannibal and the Carthaginians conquered uh, well, that peninsula well, and inhabited for 700 years. That's why your Italians. Right. But my point say is. Say that's white when they yeah, first came over here. Yeah. Yeah, but Dr. Kelly, my point is
2: that, um, you know, a person can be legitimately a part of the Hispanic caucus and be of either race it depends upon how they identify they still could be legitimately part of the hispanic caucus that was my point do you see what i'm saying yeah
4: i hear
2: you um, okay so now let me ask you let me ask you a, a final question here um i recall you telling us uh, the last time you were here we had a really i think a really informative conversation and and you said that one of your objectives was to ensure that we had white people of goodwill who uh, uh, you wanted to make sure that white people of goodwill would be joining the Democratic Party in Alabama. Uh, you wanted to retain the ones you had and you wanted to grow that number. So based on the coverage of the meeting, based on the reaction to the the meeting that I've seen and heard, you know, uh, uh, from various, you know, text messages or emails or social media. It sounds as though, to me, uh, what happened on Saturday is counterproductive as it relates to that goal. It even has gotten to the point that, as I'm sure you're aware, that uh, DNC Chair Jamie Harrison is now saying that he's that that they are looking closely at what happened and and, it, and the way he you know what he posted on social media suggests that there's going to be a response perhaps of some sort. So I want to ask you again and I, I think Josh has already asked you this but I want to ask you again in light of what I just said do you believe that what happened on Saturday ultimately has helped you to reach the objectives of getting more white people of goodwill into the party and that it is ultimately going to be seen from a DNC perspective as something that was productive for the Alabama Democratic Party.
5: Well, I'm not concerned about Jamie's tweet. We I have a lawsuit into the uh, Democratic uh, Party right now based on the last administration. And basically, we did what every other uh, uh, state party has done in the nation, change the bylaws. And yes, we're concerned about bringing white people of goodwill in, LGBTs, uh, Native American, Pacific Islanders, and everybody that wants to be. We're still a big tent party. But they changed the bylaws, and they felt that committee that we put together. And I trust that committee. Those are some of the most professional people that we got in the Democratic Party. They put put it together, and I agree with the uh, what they did. And it was a democratic, transparent process. Nobody was disenfranchised. Whites wasn't disenfranchised.
4: Right.
2: There, are, there is the perception, though. And, I, and I'm sure you've heard this. There is the perception. But
5: there was the perception that we was, it wasn't a perception, it was the reality that blacks was disenfranchised. Right. the lawsuit was about.
4: Yes, sir. But yes, sir. You did, didn't, I'm sorry, did, didn't you lose the lawsuit on that bill? Uh, no, no, no. You didn't? No. No, we. Which one
5: Which one we, do you speak yeah, of? Are you talking about the federal lawsuit? Yeah, we're we're still still uh, going to pursue that specific lawsuit.
0: Right, it's, it's in the Eleventh Circuit Court of Appeals. You, you appealed the loss in the of that lawsuit, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, I, I and to just follow up on well, what David said, well, I, I, well, I, I'm sorry. Go well, ahead, David. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll there was one
2: up. other. There was one follow up, Josh. I had which is that sure. the perception is that uh, what happened on Saturday uh, basically gave control to. Uh, the Alabama Democratic Conference, and that—that that was sort of the whole point of what happened on Saturday. Are you aware of this perception, and what's your reaction to it?
5: Well, as I just shared, all of the members on the SDC are not Alabama Democratic Conference members. You got Alabama Democratic Conference members that are not members of the SDC, and you have a black constituency in the Democratic party, which is different, even though the chairman of the the Alabama Democratic Conference is the vice chair of Minority
4: Affairs, which is Dr. Joe Reed. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you say, though, that that most, well, I'm not going to say wouldn't you say, because I don't know if it's
2: true or not, but let me ask you directly, are most of the people who are uh, currently now? And I'm talking about black people who are currently now uh, members of the uh, of the Alabama Democratic Party execu- uh, executive committee. Are most of those black people also ADC members or not?
5: I don't think so. I hadn't really checked into it, but they they are um, a specific. Uh, whether well, they're basically black. I don't know whether they're ADC members or not, and I don't think there are several. I don't know how many ADC members that are actually on that committee. I hadn't checked into that.
0: Hey, just before we get you out here, because we, 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 we do have we do have to go, uh, and we I, I really appreciate you coming on and yes. stuff. But I wanted to to say one thing and get you to respond to it. And this is this is this is my opinion from the outside looking in. OK, and, and, and being around politics for a while, um, the Alabama Democratic Party is I think we would all agree is is struggling from a statewide political standpoint at this point uh, that uh, we uh, we have lost ground over the course of the last number of years, no matter who was in charge, no matter who was in charge. And I'll spread it around equally. It certainly came about way before you were in charge uh, mm-hmm. that the most of the losses occurred. OK, but we are we are struggling. Um, I look at what happened Saturday as an event that will not help the party as a whole uh, attract donors uh, that will push away by perception, if nothing by perception, if not reality, that will push away youth and LGBTQ folks from the party and participation in the party and will hurt the party long term. Uh, And right now, trying to convince folks to donate, I've heard from lawmakers involved in this, uh, they feel they are worried that this is going to hurt them in getting people to donate to the party and help their causes, very important causes to all of us going forward. And I just wonder what you would respond to that with. Well, you're
5: entitled to your position, but Mm -hmm. uh, as you know, the Democratic Party used to be the party of slave owners, their sympathizers, Confederates, and later Ku Klux Klan. And one of the problems with the Democratic Party is that you don't have a hand-picked Black person leading the party. And white folks, for the most part, is used to accommodationist tokenism and co-option. And even when they're in the minority, they still want to control. That's what a real issue is. And really, in the beginning, when the Democratic Party was slaveholders and fought to make slavery permanent and spread it across the country, by repealing the Missouri Compromise, brought the Kansas, which the Kansas and Nebraska Act negated, the Republican Party was fighting for black folks. The Republican Party originally came into being to stop the spread of slavery. They gave us the 13th, the 14th, the 15th Amendment. The 13th Amendment made us free. The 14th Amendment made us citizens. The 15th Amendment gave black males the right to vote. But there was backlash from that. And the Ku Klux Klan rose up in Pulaski, Tennessee Mm -hmm. on the Bedford Forest to with terrorism and unjust laws like being passed right now. And this modern era is the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, school integration, and the election of a black man as president has made the Republican Party the uh, party that white folks have gravitated to. So this is a systemic thing that we're dealing
4: with here. As, as every perceived gain that black folks have made, then white folks have left the party. That's what the problem is. And you've got to understand the historicity to understand how we got at this juncture. Okay.
0: All right. Well, listen, um... I, you know, I appreciate you coming on and explaining the position. We always do. Anytime, I, I love to come on your show. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, hope you feel like me. we 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 yeah. treated you fairly and yeah, we gave you an probably. opportunity to to explain, and that's that's what we're here for. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, David and I push back at times on certain things, but we try to do it respectfully to anybody that comes on, and right. uh, and and I hope that you feel that that we did, and we'd love to have you back on sometime in the future. Okay, looking forward to. it. Yes, sir. Thanks, Thank doc. you. That we is uh, Dr. Randy Kelly. Thank you, sir. Thank you for coming on with us. And we're going to we're going to slide out of here now. We'll uh, we'll come back in just a few minutes and uh, and, and and wrap up and, uh, and have, have more discussion. We're back in a minute. Alabama politics this week.
2: If you're hearing my voice, that means you are a fan of Alabama politics this week. And I want to tell you how grateful I am that you listen and that you're engaged with what Josh and I talk about every week. So I want to ask you to continue listening and uh, continue to support us and definitely reach out with ideas, comments, suggestions. Uh, your support makes a difference, and it means a lot.
0: All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person. And on the heels, uh, I guess we should now for the rebuttal, of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of Chairman Randy <laughs> Kelly. Uh, no, but in all, in all seriousness, it's not a, not a rebuttal, but, uh, uh, vice chair of the Alabama Democratic Party, Tabitha Eisner joins us now. And, um, and I'm, I'm certain we'll have a bit of a different viewpoint, uh, on what took place on Saturday because, uh, Randy Kelly just told us, uh, you can't hear this because we're not live. We're, we're recorded. <laughs> um, uh, he just told us that what took place on Saturday was just simply a bylaws change that people go through all the time uh it happens happens nobody lost voting power uh they changed some caucuses to committees uh and put in place some requirements for them to become caucuses uh otherwise everybody is still uh, still has all their voting power um so do you agree with that assessment and if not why not
6: Uh, No, I don't agree with that assessment. Um, And uh, now a a bylaws amendment is one thing. This was just so we're all clear. This was not a bylaws amendment. This was a complete replacement of the old bylaws with the new. So this was not a line item where you could see an edit was made on page four and another on page 12. This was um, all 40 pages were deleted and replaced. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So in I don't know if you've ever tried to compare an one 40 page document to a new 40 page document. Um, Word can help somewhat with this process, but only so much if the structure of the document is completely changed as it was. Um, it takes a lot of time to fully document all of the changes between one proposal and the next. And we were given 10 days to do it. Um, we got to see the new. The new, the proposed bylaws were sent out ten days before the vote was to take place. Not a lot of time for most of us who work full time, right? right. Um, to well, get it through it does a seem to be year. fairly
0: quick. Yes, does seem to be yes. fairly quick.
6: Um, and there was no explanation given about why the change was needed. So presumably, if you're replacing your bylaws whole cloth, it's not because there's a small tweak you want to make here or there. It's because something big's happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Forgive me if I don't believe that nothing was really changed.
0: Well, so what do you believe was, was, really? What, when did, specifically, all right, so here, here's where I think um, the, the biggest disagreement in, in, in what has been reported, what has been talked about, and what he just told us is, and that is that the, the caucuses for uh, LGBTQ and youth and uh, disabled folks were not eliminated.
4: Okay, so the difference between a caucus and a committee
6: in the bylaws of the Alabama Democratic Party, not saying this is how these words operate in typical life, but in this context, the difference between these two words is self determination. A caucus chooses its own members.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: A committee does not. So, um, the, and in order to be a caucus in these new bylaws, you have to be 15% of the Democratic electorate. Um, If you are 14.5%, you don't get to be a caucus. And the difference is when there are openings, so we kind of save seats. For We we make sure um, when everybody comes to the table, we look around and we see, we ask ourselves, are there enough Black people at the table? If not, Mm -hmm. let's add some more. Are there enough Hispanic people at the table? If not, let's add some more. And so on through this list of minority groups. When we decide, okay, we need to add three more LGBTQ chairs to the table. um, So one part of it is deciding how many more LGBTQ chairs will we add? And who gets Mm -hmm. to decide how many LGBTQ chairs get to be pulled up to the table? It used to be that the DNC decided how many chairs needed to be at the table. It's been changed to be Joe Reed gets to decide how many chairs at the table. It used to be in order to fit, if we decided on five chairs, five LGBTQ chairs, the folks who are already on the committee and are LGBTQ would. Find five new people to join. And they would pick which five people, based on probably based on who's going to represent the LGBTQ community well. And also, we want to have a diversity of opinions and whatever it is. But they would be the ones to decide. Under Joe Reed's proposed bylaws, guess who gets to decide who gets to sit in the LGBTQ seats? Joe, Joe Reed.
0: The- no, is it is it specifically Joe Reed? I mean, or is it?
6: No, of course not.
0: Okay, okay. Um, would...
6: No, it's the the vice chair for minority affairs decides oh. how many seats are at the table. So it is
0: specifically Joe Reed. Well, wow. by default, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yeah. he is the vice chair of minority right. affairs. So, right. Just, so, I'm just saying, yeah. I so mean, so default. it is right now. It is specifically
2: Joe but, Reed. Yeah. But that's <laughs> but that's where that's really where I was going to go with it, Josh. I was going to ask Tapitha. Uh, if if uh, if 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 Joe Reed is perceived to be uh, a, uh, I guess the wrong person to be in that position, has any effort been made? And I don't I don't know the bylaws, I don't know the processes, but has any effort been made to try to vote him out of that position?
6: So that position is elected by the members of the minority caucus. Okay, and we don't. We don't monitor police, any, there's no oversight of that caucus's choices or of any caucus's choices. So when the Hispanic committee picks their chair, nobody asks them how they did it. If they report, this is our chair, that's your chair, done. So same thing for the minority caucus and the minority caucus confusingly names is the black caucus. So historically, it was called the Minority Caucus. Now that additional caucuses have been made, um, it kept the name Minority Caucus, but has functioned as the Black Caucus. Um, so that's part of, I think what's going getting confusing for people um, is, is Joe Reed um, the leader of all minorities? Or is Joe Reed the leader of the Black Caucus?
0: So, so just to be clear, the, the youth, LGBTQ, and, um, and disabled caucuses were reduced to committees. Is that what I'm understanding?
6: Correct. And a committee okay. doesn't get the right to self-determination. Those folks are appointed by the uh, executive board or the chair, the vice chair for minority affairs, which right. is great.
0: And what was the reasoning for that? that no was
6: reasoning was given for any of this. Zero reasoning. No reasoning. So why did people vote for it? Because there was a secret meeting. There, the, the, uh, so I think there's a big culture clash here. And okay. I don't mean black and white culture. I mean old, old school, new school. Like the old school way of doing things is that the men who know best get together and decide. And they tell the foot soldiers what to do. That's kind of the old school way of doing things. The new school way of doing things is everybody gets a seat at the table. Everyone should understand fully what we're doing and why. Because we respect all of you as smart adults in the room. Mm. And and the notion that we would have, you know, the new school way of doing things is like, let's talk about it for hours until everybody feels like their needs have been heard and addressed. Mm. But the old school way is to say, we've already made a decision. Mm
3: -hmm.
6: Now we need you to go to affirm the decision. So so,
2: (laughs) so, So where do you, where do things go from here? I mean, people are obviously, I mean, you got, you got people who are very, and I've heard from people, not just white people, but black people who are really dissatisfied with, with what happened here. What, what do you think? What, what happens now?
6: Yeah. So, and and to be clear, I, you know, I don't know what you've already discussed, but um, comparing the list of people who were considered SDEC members in January was two hundred and seventy-five. The list of people who were allowed to enter the meeting on May six was two hundred and fifteen. Sixty people were cut from the rolls without being notified. They were simply removed from the committee. Hmm explain yeah,
0: that. He, well, he told us that there was a $50 fee that was put in place by the previous administration that many people had never paid. And that was part of the reason why they, they cut him out.
6: That is a very convenient story that he will not be able to back up with facts.
2: So, so again, I'm asking you, Tabitha, what, what, what's the future? What happens next? I mean, how does, how does the, how does the? I guess what I'm really asking, bottom line, is how does the Alabama Democratic Party survive what is a, obviously
4: uh, a controversial situation that you know people are unhappy with? At least, at least some people are unhappy with. Yeah, yeah.
6: I mean, we've been surviving as the broken Democratic Party of Alabama for a lot of years now, and we're gonna keep surviving. We're gonna keep working hard at the county level to build relationships and to build coalitions to get candidates elected. Like all of that is gonna continue. And the fight at the statewide level is gonna continue. I I don't know if we'll ever reach a a peace deal. Um, But I'll tell you what, if we can't come to the table together, we're never going to reach a peace deal. And I keep showing up to the table. And I am not met by anyone who's willing to negotiate, talk peace, figure out how to move forward. There's no interest in negotiating. And I don't know how you reach a peace deal with someone who won't come to the table.
4: One other quick question. What about the DNC? What are you expecting to happen? There to be determined.
0: Hmm. Um, I, I'll quickly, I won't go through the whole thing that I did with uh with uh, Randy Kelly, but um, I'll quickly ask you, um, this doesn't you know, the, the Democratic Party, as you mentioned, has been broken for for a while, um, and they, you know, there are, there are efforts at, at different levels of trying to. Uh, restore faith in this. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of people had a lot of optimism uh, back when in 2019, when the other bylaws were put in place and the, a lot of youth folks came in, the younger people were in the party and there seemed to be some energy. Um, uh, now I hear from people that say we can't get donors. Uh, we're this, and certainly what happened Saturday could not have helped. Uh, in in, uh, uh, in in telling people that this is a secure place for your money, or, or that there is hope for for what's going to happen well, in the future.
6: To be fair, though, Josh, there hasn't been a fundraiser, there hasn't been an email sent asking people for funds, there hasn't been a social media post asking people for funds. So I think the problem is as much that we're not asking for money as it is that we haven't earned the right to uh, to hold someone's money. I think both are true, but. Um, There's been talk of a fundraising committee and people signed up to volunteer, including me, but no such committee has been formed.
0: Has there been an explanation for that?
6: No, there's no explanation of any actions ever. That's that's the fundamental clash that we're having, is that there's an expectation that nothing has to be explained.
0: All right. Well, listen, I. I know you've got it. You've got to go. And, and, um, and there's probably a lot that we could, <laughs> we could probably turn this over for another hour. And, and we would, you know, but I don't know that we would necessarily say more than what we've already said. We've, I think everybody is frustrated and um, and you know, no matter what happens, I think everybody finds what has happened is very unhelpful. Uh, so, thank you for coming on and spending some time and uh, and and offering the other viewpoint of this. I think it's very, very important that we we continue to get both sides of everything uh, and put it out there so people have a better understanding of what's taking place. And as we told Randy Kelly, we're gonna we're never gonna treat anybody disrespectful. Uh, you right. know, you can come on here. We'll push back when you say something we don't agree with, which we did yeah. a lot the last interview. Yeah. Uh, but um, it's uh, you know, but we're not going to be disrespectful to anybody. And, and we hope we, hit, we, we gave you a good, uh, good opportunity as well. And, um, and you're welcome anytime. Uh, yep. So thank you and, uh, and, and keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I think a lot of people appreciate it.
6: Absolutely. Thank you all for uh, reporting on it. All
0: right, take care. Thank you. That's uh, Tabitha Eisner, vice chair of the Alabama Democratic Party, and you know a lot of um, you know, you know. I listen. I, 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 I for one, I like Tabitha. I think I, me and her have had our clashes at mm-hmm. times over things. Yeah. Um, yeah, she and
2: I have too. Yeah, yeah,
0: and 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 you know, I I think she would tell you that I was right uh, in that, and so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no know about possible way
2: she would tell you that i don't right? know about
1: that
0: uh, so uh but i was and so listen <laughs> uh no <laughs> no uh no it's um you know and i think other people she has her position she is entitled mm-hmm. to her position i think mm-hmm. a lot of times the things that that the, a lot of the vitriol that she faces is is you know sexism uh and and i think a lot you know they They don't they don't like to hear people, women, you know, hold their ground a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And so um, but I think she does. She she is the kind of person that the party needs desperately. She is engaged. She Mm -hmm. works all the time. If Mm -hmm. you don't like what she's doing, uh, I understand the feelings there. Okay, but. You know, those type of people are what drive the party forward. Okay, those people that go in and work all the time and are around everybody and want to be involved and want to do a good job. Those are the people that drive the party forward. Um, What what happened Saturday is is I don't care what anybody says. It's not going to be good for the party. All right. They're going to have to reel this back some way. Somehow they're going to have to do something. You cannot do what they did and and survive.
2: Well, you definitely, you definitely can't blow off the impact of perception and, and the perception is really horrible right now. It is, you know, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't really see how that doesn't have an impact on, you know, even though Tabitha just told us that there hasn't been any active fundraising as far as she's aware of, you know, I don't, you know, if there ever is, that's going to be a factor that's going to have impact. Certainly. Mm It's going to be impactful when it comes to any money that's coming from out of state, because people that are looking from out of state are not going to have the same sympathies that those of us in state might have. So it's it's a problem. There's there's yeah. no question that it's a problem. And I think it's a problem that you have, quite honestly, two leaders who are not in sync. They're not working together. Um they're on completely different pages, that's a problem as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm not, and I'm not pointing a finger at Tabitha and saying she's wrong, or pointing a finger at, you know, Doc Kelly and saying he's wrong. But the reality is whoever's right, whoever's wrong, or if there's blame to be shared, how are you going to have a functional organization when your two people who are leading it, you know, are not, or who are at the top? You know, are not uh, are not in sync and are not working together.
0: Yeah. yeah. I I'll tell you what it seems like to me, and you you tell me you know if you think I'm wrong about this. Is it seems like there is that 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 running the Alabama Democratic Party is second, or, or 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 doing things that is that are good for the Alabama Democratic Party. Are secondary to 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 Randy Kelly and some others to doing things that are good for the Alabama Democratic Conference, um, and and that to me is is the bigger problem here. Is that I and I understand I I can't I, I have no experience obviously, but I understand uh, to a certain degree the hesitancy that they have. And relinquishing any sort of power, power that they have fought for, died for in some cases, uh, uh, in, in terms of black voting rights and 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 a black representation uh, in a major political party in this state. I understand what they have voted, or what they have gone through, uh, as far as I can understand it, in, in in terms of reading about it and talking to people who experienced it. Um, but that seems to be the the primary focus in a party that is changing um and and attempting to welcome in a number of other people um the the welcoming welcoming aspect in terms of leadership roles in in that party uh in terms of the folks that are that are running the Alabama Democratic Conference they don't seem to be willing to to share power and that seems like the biggest issue
2: well I'm going to push back on that a little bit, uh, to to at least to this degree. I'm not sure, from listening to Randy Kelly talk, I'm not sure how much of this is explicitly about the ADC and a desire to protect ADC power and influence, and how much of this is about uh, more systemic mm-hmm. historical issues listening to him talk, it seems to me that he leads with the historic mm-hmm. and the systemic. Now, it could be that intertwined with that in his mind, or if not in his mind, in somebody else's mind, is this whole dynamic of the ADC. But but, but I got to say again, reflecting on what he said to us today, and even reflecting on what he said to us the
4: last time he was here, I, I don't. Now, if if, if if it now, it could be, though, Josh, it could be
2: that the byproduct of having a historic and systemic. Focus is that it becomes by default.
4: To some degree about protecting the ADC, because the ADC is, uh, you know.
2: Well, I'll I'll say it this way. It could be perceived by some, it may be perceived by Randy Kelly this way or Joe Reed this way, that the ADC is sort of the civil rights arm of the Democratic Party. Right. And if they see it that way, then then it could be argued that by default, you know, yes, that's what it sort of becomes, and then that makes the point that you've just made. But uh it, it's complicated. I think Tap of a Tabitha said something that I think was really revealing and I think was very insightful when she talked about it being a clash of cultures. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's old school, new school. I think she's right about that. But I think it even goes further than that. I think there is is a civil Mm -hmm. rights culture in the Alabama Democratic Party that is not aligned with uh, You know, newer and emerging mm-hmm. cultural outlooks. And I would add this. And this this gets even deeper. The model for leadership for most black people, in my opinion, for most black people in this country and for most black leaders in this country, the model for leadership is derived from the black church.
4: Right.
2: And the Black church historically has been
4: uh, paternalistic Mm -hmm. and very top-down, very hierarchical hierarchical, and
2: paternalistic. And that leadership approach increasingly doesn't even work in the Black community anymore. (laughs) Honestly. I mean, if you look at what's happening, and you and I have had some off- my conversations about uh, you know uh, HBCUs, and I won't right. I won't go any further than that because I know you got some more reporting to do and so forth. But uh, but but I know and you know that 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 patriarchal hierarchical approach to leadership doesn't fly anymore in, in, in HBCUs. It it doesn't. It may be operationally what's happening, but people are challenging it. Yeah. And people are raising questions. Uh it, and it's the same thing with the black church. Yeah. It doesn't really fly anymore, at least to the degree that it once did. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for for you know, the younger generation and and, and even people in my age group. So well, I think I, I think Tabitha hit that right. I think she was right on
0: that. You know, I, I think that we agree um here. Um, on, on this, um, and 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 but you've you, you've you've said it a lot better, or explained it a lot better uh, than I did, um, and and it's it, because I think there is a, a a kind of a soup within the 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 ADC, all right, and it, and it's not simply uh, just the black voters, okay? It's 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 more it's more complex, and a lot of those different things that you just mentioned go into that. Uh, including the fact that um you know and i've heard this this conversation and i was going to bring this up uh, on a show at some point whenever we had time um that there is a lot of angst i would say among uh a particularly older uh black democrats when it comes to uh issues such as transgenderism and um, you know even even mm. gay marriage and mm. some of the other things there uh because they exactly what you said a lot of their uh leadership uh, uh characteristics are derived from black church leaders mm. and 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 therefore also they are very devoted to to their christian faith and they they struggle a lot with these issues of uh, of equality when it comes to some of these things that uh, have been put in the realm of religion and are, are deemed, you know, sinful or, or whatever. And I've heard this a lot from uh, from black lawmakers, especially who who are tired of being pressured to vote for different things, such as uh, you know, voting against transgender bills and, and things like that while at the same time they don't receive the backing from human rights campaigns and some others uh, on, on issues that are very important to the black community, mm-hmm. uh, which also could be deemed human rights issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I, yes, I agree exactly with, with what you're saying about that exactly. I think that's all part of this kind of soup that goes into it, because if you look at uh, ADC, it is primarily older black folks that are, that are in that group and they have they've been through those struggles the civil rights struggles they are they are you know they do see their leaders in, in in the you know kind of the church uh you know shaping uh way and and i think that that, that plays a plays a pretty big role in in this and and why they're so protective of that caucus um I, i'm like i said i'm not um I don't. I don't think they're stupid. I'm not being critical necessarily. I don't agree with what they're doing in this case. I think it's harmful to the party as a whole uh, because. And here's the biggest thing that here 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 would be my pitch, <coughs> if anybody ever asked. Okay, you're protecting this 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 entity, and I understand it, but to what end? But 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 to what end? Are you is that protection what what what's that getting you in the end? is it actually protecting you? Is it actually giving you some power? Is it actually protecting your rights and the rights of your children and your grandchildren going forward in this country and in this state uh, because I would argue that the better pathway here is a more inclusive pathway for this party because if you don't do that, you're never going to attain The power in the state as a whole that you need to squash some of the absolute crazy racist shit that goes on here in terms of limiting voting rights and gang bills and all these other things. It's you can't achieve that level without those other groups coming in and welcoming them in and offering them some level of ownership of the party as well
2: right and i I think you make an excellent point. I will however, and this is not a pushback, but I guess it's more of a contextual contextual observation mm-hmm. one of the challenges here is is an unspoken thing that uh you know we don't really talk about much but it but I think the bottom line is that uh and 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 I want to I want to point you to as I set this up. I want to point you to what uh, Randy Kelly said to us just today Mm -hmm. uh, in his comments. He talked about how at one point it was the Republican Party that was the the defender of uh, you know rights of Black people, and it was the Democratic Party that was the um, the antagonist. Mm -hmm. There is a distrust. I think what he was alluding to is that there is a distrust, generally speaking, in uh, of white people or or white society. Let's say, Mm -hmm. let's broaden that a little bit, of white society that that black people have. Yes, because we know that you know at one point in time, you know, uh, you know, a certain white people of a certain mindset uh, were in the democratic party. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, you know, one point in time they were white people of another mindset were in the Republican party. And, and the common denominator for us is white people and <laughs> white society.
0: Oh yeah. We sketchy as hell, man.
2: Yeah. I mean, and, and people yeah. of a certain mindset now, again, that's not a description of all white people. We know sure. that, yes. you know, but uh, but but we live with the you know we have to be more vigilant, I guess you know than 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 uh than, than maybe we wish we had to be because we don't necessarily know where the opposition is coming from or right. or, or 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 when it's coming and yeah. as we look at the shifts even with what's happening now with you know Trump and his and his racist foolishness and. Desantis and his, you know, we're looking at like, wait a minute, these these people are trying to turn the clock back on us, you know. That's the right. way it looks to us, and so that that only fuels the the distrust. And and I and I'll tell you, I will tell you, and I and I'll end my my little speech with this: there are times when even in liberal circles, so-called liberal
4: white circles, mm-hmm. I hear things that make me go, really? So that's what we do. Really?
0: Okay. Uh, Thank you for that. Thank you for letting me know that. Right. Right. No, I listen. I, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I hear the conversations. I know the, um, you know, I, I know, I know what goes on out there for, you know, and in, in, especially in in the safe white space, you know what I mean, where where there's white people all around, and you'll have you'll have some folks that say some some things from time to time that are like, you know, you just got to say, hey man, that's really really racist. Uh, and you know, you got and and it's just that's that that's the reality. And I and I know and I get that. Um, I I just I mean I just think though,
4: it can't be a zero sum.
0: You know, and and I think that that's the game that that is being played right now by by Joe Reed and and ADC is it's zero sum. It's I'm winning, you're losing and we don't care. And um and and you can't you just can't treat people the way that they were treated Saturday and expect them then to support you in your causes. And I think that's where I I I don't I, I can't see a pathway forward for the party until that is in some way rectified. There they're simply not enough people. I mean it's just that it's a simple numbers game at a point. And and there there just isn't enough people here um, to support what you're doing. Because as you've said, even even when we eliminate the white people out of this, uh, even you know people of color were were very up, a lot of them were very upset about what took place, and you, you can't. There's just not enough folks out there for this to be the way the party moves forward. You've got to fix this in some meaningful way and bring people back together. And you know, I I've said all along. And I thought I felt like from the other side of this. After the the coup or whatever they want to call it, it took place in 2019. Um, I felt like that there were a lot of olive branches extended from the other side of this to say, hey, how about we, you know, we open up some leadership positions for ADC people? How about we we put Joe Reed back in charge of some things? Uh, let's do some stuff together and let's bury this. And, you know. That seems to be all out the window now, and everybody just wants to burn it to the ground.
4: Hmm. well, as you said, there's
2: got to be some reconciliation
3: yeah
2: uh I don't know if you can hear it, but <laughs> there are workmen uh uh outside of my house that are making a lot of commotion, so I've been I've been muting myself a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I cannot hear it. But I'll tell you what. Let's uh let's name off a uh, right wing nut of the week and get the hell yeah. out of here, because I can't imagine anybody's given uh, we could give these people any more than what we already have. And uh, yeah. and if it's okay with you, I would like to to nominate uh, for probably the third or fourth time Tommy Tuberville uh, for the the right wing nut. Um, absolutely, and, absolutely. Um, I mean, whenever somebody says to you, Do you really have a problem with rooting out white nationalists from the military? And the response back from your senator is, Well, you call them white nationalists, or that's what they call them. I call them Americans. That guy's a moron. Okay.
2: Well, um, he, he's at least a moron, if mm-hmm. not at worst. A, racist worse, moron. a yeah. white, yeah, a white nationalist, racist yeah. moron. Yeah. Uh,
0: and I believe. He is going to be part of the reason why Huntsville ultimately loses base Command. And I believe you'll hear that over the next couple of days, uh, that they're, the, they're going to make a decision repealing that um, and, and leaving it in Colorado. And I believe Tommy Tumor will be at least part of the reason why that decision was made, uh, because they do not trust his leadership uh, in this state and And what he's mm-hmm. done to the military specifically over the course of the last several months in holding mm-hmm. up promotions
3: mm-hmm. uh
0: and damaging it and and ignoring the pleas of senior military officials to stop mm-hmm. this i I think it's he's he's going to be- he's going to get to blame and, and rightfully so, so.
2: yeah yeah no, i think you I think you're exactly right, yeah, it's astounding what he's done uh with that with the military stuff that was really mind blowing to me, but then when he made this comment, I thought hmm. Here we it's, go.
0: It's so, it's it's so dumb, man. And and you know, and, and honestly, I'm, it's disappointing to me because I really liked Tommy Tuberville at a time, um, and I, I thought he was a good person. And um, you know, now uh, at best, I view him as a very selfish individual who will say anything and hurt anybody for to further his own agenda and his own uh, success or whatever, uh, you know. And as far as I can tell. Uh, he's done nothing to help anybody in this state aside from himself and, and through his stock trades. Um, mm. And and I guess I couldn't even really say that he he's helped somebody in the state since he doesn't really live here. Uh, so, you know, um, so he's helped some guy in Florida with some stock trades. And, uh, you know, and so that's worked out well mm. for all of us. And in the meantime, mm. we're going to cost us trillions of dollars when we lose the Space Force. And, um,
2: mm.
0: you know, great. Right. Isn't that great? we yeah, had Doug
2: Jones yeah. sitting in that seat. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, uh I I definitely agree that uh, the that Jones wouldn't have blown it the way that Tuberville has. There's no question no. about that. He wouldn't have done it. And neither would Shelby have blown it the way no. Tuberville has. And no. and I'll even say I don't even think Britt would have blown it the way uh Tuberville has. I think I think he is uniquely created a, uh, a disaster for the state of Alabama.
0: Yes, he has. Yes, he has. And I would say that uh, there are a lot of people. I, I, I Listen, I'll go even further than that and, and give some people some credit that I would never ordinarily give credit to. Robert Adderholt, Mike Rogers, um, uh, God, I hate to t- Gary Palmer. I hate, mm. um, uh, all of those people have worked with the White House and with the military uh, in an effort to further Alabama's position in terms of getting that Space Force command in, in the Huntsville, something that everybody wanted, and everybody thought it would go great there, and I think it would as well. Um, and, you know, the, the, it's one guy. I mean, listen, a senator, a U.S. senator is a very important position, and y'all elected uh, a actual to, It's Oh, uh, God. Yeah. man. Yeah, it's a
2: trip, man. It's a trip. Yeah,
0: but luckily, we got an up-and-coming Alabama Democratic Party to handle all that. So, uh, with, <laughs> <laughs> on that high note, um, we'll see y'all next week. Till then, y'all be safe out there. Peace.